Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another Minutes with Mute. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, joined alongside, as always, with Scott Muchin, the sideline reporter on the BC Learfield IMG uh, Football Network. Uh, joined, uh, we'll get into the game and talk about BC and Clemson. Obviously, a tough loss, 59-7 to to the Tigers. But first, before I get to Scott, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football uh, fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. I know the Gridiron Club was at the SO Club, uh, Scott, on Friday. And uh, there were some pretty good fans I heard down there support-wise in Clemson. Yeah, a lot of BC people made the trip down. I did not get a chance to make the SO Club on Friday, but I did get to go there for lunch on Saturday. That's always a nice spot to hang out and since the late game uh, time, was able to venture downtown and uh, check out some places downtown in Clemson, which I had never seen in my previous trips down there. So it was actually nice to go get a different view of the place and see all the people out ready to go. And luckily the, the weather held out, so it wasn't too bad walking around. Okay, so let, that's a good part. Let's get to the rough part. 59-7, to uh, Clemson outscored BC uh, yardage-wise, 674 to 177 just kind of give your general thoughts in the game uh, uh not probably not too much to take away from this one bc just has to move on i would think well i mean that's kind of something we addressed on the on the broadcast that this is one of those things that you just you don't want to say burn the tape but you just with the the short you're getting back late uh you know very early sunday morning you got a 12 o'clock start on the road versus syracuse coming up this is something that you, you don't want to dwell on too much for BC because you really need to get ready for another game against Syracuse. So, uh, but thoughts in the game were it, it, it's tough offensively for BC is that they start off with a couple three and outs and immediately Clemson goes down the field and scores. So they get, you know, they get three three and outs, then Clemson goes and gets a field goal and two touchdowns. So BC's getting the ball and it's 17 nothing before you can even blink an eye. And credit to BC, though, they, they drive down the field and get it to 17-7, and then, you know, things just kind of snowball like they do with Clemson. You, you see a lot of tape of them just all of a sudden they're, you know, in, in battling a close game, and then the next thing you know they're they're up five scores. And BC just didn't really have any answers for them on defense. They weren't able to turn Clemson over. They weren't able to get him off the field on third down. And then offensively, they just, BC was, was not able to throw the football effectively. Uh, Dennis Grossell only threw for 43 yards. There wasn't a lot of time. There wasn't a lot of space to get, to get the ball. And then when you, when you get down by, by three scores, it's tough to do what you do best. And BC, that's running A.J. Dillon and David Bailey. So their inability to, you know, be able to keep it close hurt them because they just weren't able to play into what their strengths were. And, you were hoping coming out of the, you know, coming out of the first half, BC starts second half, gets a Clemson a three and out, and they get the ball back, and they start driving the football, and and then all of a sudden, you know, obviously they're down 38-7, but they're making 
they're making a drive and they, they're past midfield and then there's a sack and a fumble returned and that was just kind of the the story of the day every time they had some progress there was something negative that got them whether it was a penalty a negative play and it, it was just something that it was tough to have any sustained success against that Clemson defense and when you rely on that offense for so much to do that and they're not able to stay on the field and do what they do best, it just led to a you know a bad sequence of events that led to the score getting the way it was. And then just big picture playing Clemson. You know, Clemson's a, a problem. I'm hearing a lot about it on Twitter as well. You know, Clemson's a problem for BC because not only it's in the conference, but they're in the division. Um, you know, so it's not like BC can't beat Clemson. My in my three years we played them, we were three and zero. My four years at BC, oh five, oh six, oh seven. But recently, no question about it, the tables have turned. So, what do you think, just big picture wise? Because you know BC Scott, as you know, can't avoid Clemson. Uh, they are the block from BC to get to the ACC championship game. Because if you lose to Clemson, uh, you have to hope they lose twice, really, um, to get to that ACC championship game. It's been all Clemson all the time for basically the last eight, nine years. What do you think just – how do BC fans rationalize now just playing Clemson every year and uh, trying to beat them? Well, it's obviously a different team than the team you saw when you were in school. They've they've made massive improvements uh, player-wise, facility-wise, and obviously that's translated into success on and off the field there. You can just see that by the facilities in which they have there and the players in which they – they have playing there and, and playing in the NFL. If you're Boston College, you, you, there's a there's two ways to go about it, right? You either start, you know, recruiting those same guys, and you spend all this time going after guys that you're hoping to get into your program that can be difference makers athletically, which is most highly unlikely, I would say, or that you're able to build, you know, you build solid squads on 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 both sides of the field, and you have a you know, great quarterback play that can raise the level of your team. I think uh, if you have a great quarterback in college football, it can it can mask a lot of your blemishes. And if you have solid players in other aspects, you can find ways to make runs. And, you know, a lot of people, the most recent version of that is kind of the Matt Ryan era. You wouldn't say anybody on, you know, that, that offensive team contributed significantly in the NFL. Now, maybe some linemen, but BC, you know, has offensive linemen playing in the NFL right now. And besides that, there weren't a lot of guys that, that contributed a ton in, in the next level. But the quarterback play raised everyone's play there. Now, there were some guys on the defensive side of the ball that played and, and did pretty well. And I think BC's really missing a lot of those guys this this past year, you can really feel that because there's just there's not a lot of playmakers that are out there, and there's not a lot of depth. They're trying to find a lot of answers there. So, what you need to do is to be able to find some quality guys that are good players, maybe not as highly touted or whatever, but you're able to get them into your program. You're able to you know spend a year redshirting them and building them up. And the ability to play four games now and then preserve a redshirt is, I think, a huge benefit for BC if the kids stay, because you're basically getting almost four and a half seasons out of them playing in games. So if you can do that and, and build some, some depth and talent across the board, then every so often, you know, every three, you know, three, four, five years, you can make a run because you just got your recruiting classes line up and, and you got a stable of guys where maybe they played young and they've had a chance to grow up together. And then as a collective whole, that they can make a run. I say that's, 
that's the best way that it's going to, or that's the most realistic way that it's going to happen at Boston College. Uh, and that's just by building a program where you're able to develop guys. And if you have the right guy, you know, pulling the trigger who's special, you can raise the collective whole of your offensive performance. And if you have a group of guys that mature and, and, and are talented on, on one side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball too, then you can you can build that up as well. So there are opportunities to do it. It's been done before. I, I think it can can get done. I, I don't know in the landscape of today if, if you're going to be able to consistently compete against those type of programs, but there's no reason to say that you can't go in and every so often make a couple runs if, if things go the right way for you. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, no question about it. I'd love to see BC back in the uh, ACC championship game. That was, those are some uh, good, fun times. All right, BC 4-4. Four and four. After eight games, now they face Syracuse, who's having a down year after 10 wins last year. Uh, what's the game plan, you think, for the Cuse? And uh, actually, I'd like, to, Scott, I'd like to ask you, what do you think, how do you think the QB needs to, QB play for BC needs to approve going to Syracuse? Well, I mean, it, it just needs to be better. Uh, not all of it's uh, Dennis Grossell's fault right now. I think you're playing against Clemson, and, and they got some pretty good athletes there. Sometimes there weren't some guys open, and sometimes you're just throwing the ball away to avoid some negative plays. Sometimes you just had some, some mishaps, but I think he needs to just get a little more consistency, a little more rhythm under his belt, and uh, to be able to generate some plays in the passing game to, to even up the, uh, the load on A.J. Dillon. I mean, uh, A.J. Dillon is, has had such a great year. It's going – I mean, I hate to say it's flying under the radar as he's just become BC's all-time leading rusher. He's now, I think he's tied for the all-time leading touchdowns for running back, rushing touchdowns. So he's, he's burdened a lot of this offense on his shoulders. And if they can just leave some of that with some ability to make some plays uh, in the passing game, I think that, that makes BC's offense you know, so much more dynamic and so much more effective. Now that's a lot of that. You lose Anthony Brown and you're trying to find that, I think, Dennis Grossell has the ability to do it, but hasn't been able to show it these last two games. One, he wasn't asked to do it. The other one, he just wasn't able to do it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens versus Syracuse. Every every team is, is designed to stop A.J. Dillon in the run game, and Clemson was no different. They had 10 guys in the box. They were playing man coverage. That's what you're going to see for the rest of the year. So BC has to find a way in from the quarterback position to get some productivity in the passing game to make it easier for them. And that's whether it's finding some route combinations that work for a skill set, whether that's scheme wise and whether it's spreading guys out and trying to create some, some mismatches and some, some rubs and some ability to create some space, whether it's that or whether it's to, to be creative in the running game and create some horizontal stretch that's, you know, those, those are some thoughts the offense going forward, but it's something that teams, I've seen enough tape on BC right now, and they, they have their game plan on what they're looking to do to stop them, and as long as you have a quarterback handing a ball to a running back, the defense is always going to be at an advantage because they're just going to have one to two more guys at the point of attack, so um, 
they need to find ways to, to maximize their running game and to get the best out of that. And I think that's, that's developing uh, some, some flow to their passing game. And then and for Cuse, what should BC fans look at? Some top players, obviously always tough playing them in the Carrier Dome. Yeah, the concrete sarcophagus, as I like to call it, the Carrier Dome, or what's the, <laughs> the dome, as I think they're not calling it the Carrier Dome for some reason whatsoever. Oh, that's know. right, the sponsorship but issue. There's a, as a BC fan and as a, as a BC you know, former player, <clears throat> I've been there a good amount of times, and it seems that every time I go there, bad things happen. So you're trying to avoid the... the the boogeyman trap of the of the carrier dome there, but they're a team struggling as well as you mentioned, and their struggles are are kind of the opposite. Is that they just can't protect their quarterback? They've given up 42 sacks this year in eight games, and that's I, I mean I think BC's given up six uh, in that amount of time. So that's Tommy DeVito, your quarterback's getting hit a lot, pulled him out of the last game. They have some dynamic. Uh, Receiving options there, Sean Riley, I thought, I thought to be a very good receiver, but it's tough to get the ball to your guys if your quarterback can't get his feet set and throw the football. So they've been struggling to to protect the quarterback, and they're they're going to be coming off a bye week, and, and their season's not over. They can still you know make some noise here at the end and still be able to make a bowl. So they're they're, they're not going to just roll over and die, but it, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting matchup because it's kind of one of those old rivalries, an old Big East rivalry, and two teams that kind of compete with the same guys and, and same players. And there's there's just a lot of that kind of geographical rivalry that, that exists still to this day. So it's, it's going to be a big game. BC needs this game if they hope to, you know, to, to be kids, you know, to work towards full eligibility. And, and for Syracuse, it's a must-have game. They absolutely need to win this game because otherwise they're going to, they're gonna have, they'd be forced to win out if they lose this game. So it's going to be a battle. Uh, it, it's funny as you look at the, the rest of the ACC, everyone kind of seems to be mired into this, um, you know, five and three, four and four, three and five record. Every team in the ACC seems to have that record besides what, Clemson and Clemson and Wake Forest on the positive end and I think Georgia Tech on the negative end. So it's Everyone's kind of in the mix, and there's there's only a certain amount of bowl games left, and the, those practices are really valued. So it's, it's crazy to see all the different scenarios that could play out these last four weeks of the season with all, you know, who wins, who loses. You can't predict the ACC week to week because, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten games wrong just looking at them going into the week and then seeing the outcome. And it's just been, it's been a crazy year for the ACC besides, you know, Clemson doing what they're doing. All right, Scott. Last question: What's your uh, what's the travel plans? What's your favorite spots in Syracuse? You've been there a lot in the past. <laughs> uh, I have, I have. Dinosaur Barbecue is usually a staple for everybody. Um, with a twelve o'clock game, we're kind of probably limited in time. We'll probably get there and get a you know get out and get a quick meal. Now, we're gonna see if we we maybe go a different route this time because of uh, the the time crunch. So I, I'm gonna check out some new places still early in the week get my feet underneath me i'm guessing i'm gonna end up eating some wings of some sort because that's just what you're supposed to do when you're in uh upstate new york York. yeah because if you don't because if you don't it's pretty disrespectful to to the area because those those are the best Uh, you get into the uh the 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 syracuse buffalo 
Rochester part of New York, and if you don't get wings there, you're you're pretty much you know you're pretty much spitting in people's faces. So I'm going to make sure that I support the local that local cuisine, and uh, probably have a couple after that. You know, I mean, a couple different meat, whether it's barbecue or something else. We uh, we're going to figure it out. Maybe burger of some sort. I don't know, but I'm going to I'm going to keep my my options open and uh, see what I come up with. Last week we did a little. Uh, Top Golf, which was right across the hotel, so went went over there. It's a nice venue there. Those those places are always, uh, you know, if you, I've never been, so it was an interesting it was an interesting new new experience for me. I highly recommend it to others. That uh, yeah, that that's was a really fun. Fun thing to do. Yeah, I've, I've been to one in Scottsdale. That's fun. That's it's pretty cool. They just opened one in Vegas too. It's got like the hot tubs and everything. Yeah. That's got that's got to be the best one I would think. <laughs> Yeah, I did not uh, wear my speedo to hit, hit hit balls, but maybe Cronin would be up for something like that. That's something that kind of <laughs> would suit his alley. He he had fun with the music playing as we were going at it. So uh, as uh, our social media sites showed everyone swings, the, the thing that disappoints me is though the swing that gets shown to me was my worst one of the day. But luckily, meters meter swings consistently were horrid. He was basically. Uh, it was basically Kevin Costner from Tin Cup when he had the shanks on the driving range. That's what it looked like. <laughs> so everyone has a visual of it. Is Meter is he not a big golfer? Is he not into it? Uh, I think he, no, I think he does. I just don't think he's very good, as evidenced <laughs> by a lot of the results of his shots. But I, I was in the other uh, bay hitting balls, so I didn't get to see a ton. But the ones I did see were were horrific. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Scott. Minutes with Mute. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, safe travels to the Q's and. Hopefully bring back a W from the Dome. Thanks a lot, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.